2019 was the year that San Diego's dining scene finally got noticed. A series of high-profile openings, Jeune Joali, Anime, Il Dandi, Morning Glory, and more, meant that San Diego is finally shedding its restaurant also-ran status and emerging as a bona fide dining destination. Let's look back at San Diego's dining in 2019, from strip malls and historic neighborhoods, from homespun fare to boundary-pushing creations. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Michelle Parente, you're the food critic for the Union-Tribune, and recently you wrapped up the year in dining when you looked at all of the news and all the changes and put it together in one section. Let's start with the broad trends. How would you describe 2019 when it comes to dining in San Diego? Um, well, my colleague Pam Cragen and I ate out at... Uh, countless restaurants all year, and we were just struck by the increased quality overall. Mm -hmm. New restaurants, longstanding restaurants, small chains, independents. It just felt like a real watershed year in San Diego. What are some of the reasons why things are getting better? Is it ingredients? Is it chefs trying new things? It's kind of hard to quantify, but what have you been seeing in restaurants all around the county? Right. Well, we've always been really blessed with great ingredients. So those have already been there. Um, And a lot of the chefs are homegrown. Um, I think it's competition. I -hmm. think as one place gets better, the chefs are looking around saying, we have to ramp up our game. Um, There have been some imports to San Diego. Most notably, there's like this wave of Italians coming to town Mm -hmm. and really, really making great strides in the quality of Italian food in San Diego. Um, And also, there are people like Michael Mina and Aisha Curry who opened International Smoke this year. And, you know, they've got restaurants all over the country. And so we're just another outpost. But the fact that they're recognizing that we're ready um, for their their brand of super flavorful Mm -hmm. global barbecue is a really good sign. Yeah, I was looking through the list of new openings this year, and it seems like everything was like hyper specific. It wasn't something generic. It was like something but take it another step further in like complexity of it. Absolutely. So like our restaurant of the year, Jeune and Jolie, which is a charming, absolutely delicious place in Carlsbad. Um, it is a very unique restaurant. It is not your classic French restaurant. It's not your classic California farm to table. Um, it is this chef, Andrew Bachelet. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, um, just making these incredibly complex but accessible dishes. Anime is another example. There's no other restaurant like it in San Diego. Brian Malarkey, Chris Puffer, uh, Joe Magnanelli are putting together this sort of Asian-inspired, super swanky restaurant. Then there's Brad Wise, our chef of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, He opened Fort Oak, which is really um, taking Baja-style, Santa Maria-style, wood-fired grill cooking and making, putting it on a, a very sophisticated level. What he does with a plate of vegetables and some oak and a grill it is really amazing. I'm already hungry thinking about it. <laughs> I'm always hungry. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like uh, this year was finally the year when the rest of the nation and 
the world in a sense, noticed San Diego. There was some big news earlier this year. Let's recap it. Yeah. I mean, uh, Addison, the absolute hands down best restaurant in San Diego. And that is my opinion, obviously. But it's also the opinion of the Michelin Guide inspectors. So Mm -hmm. Michelin reintroduced um, a a California guide. Before it had um, a Los Angeles guide, it closed it. It's had a San Francisco Bay Area guide for a while, but it did, um, it incorporated the San Francisco Bay Area and created a California wide guide. Um, It made some sort of head scratching um, decisions, but one that was an absolute no brainer was the selection of Addison for a Michelin star. And, you know, there are a lot of people who dismiss Michelin as this very fussy old style, you know, oh, the snobby persnickety French. Mm -hmm. Um, And in a lot of ways, it is However, it is considered the gold standard for recognition around the world. And there are legions of global uh, cuisine trotters who, you know, just go from city to city, small town to small town, just to eat at places that Michelin recognizes. So the fact that San Diego is finally on there is a huge deal. Now, uh, my problem with giving Addison just one star is that Addison is not a single star Michelin restaurant. Mm -hmm. Maybe the inspectors felt that they couldn't come into San Diego and just start throwing stars all over the place, that we have to earn every star. Well, Addison earns it and more. Um, You know, I was sort of shocked when I heard at I was at the ceremony up in uh, Orange County. And uh, when they called Addison out in the first category, Mm -hmm. I just almost fell out of my seat. This place is up there with some of the best restaurants in the entire world. And by it only getting one star, it shut out every other fabulous restaurant for the Mm -hmm. possibility of getting a star because nobody's on the level of Addison. Mm -hmm. That was one controversy to me. Um, The other one was they put out this list of bib gourmand. Mm -hmm. And the bib gourmand are sort of nods to accessible, undiscovered spots that you should seek out. And the bib gourmand in San Diego went to very worthy places like Campfire, which Mm -hmm. is owned by the same people as Jeanne and Jolie up in Carlsbad, and Lola 55. Sure, Mm -hmm. fun, Cucina Urbana, Cucina Sorella, great little spots that totally have consistently good food. But then Juniper and Ivy, one of the best known and frankly, a a very expensive restaurant if you go and you do it the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, Kettner Exchange, excellent restaurant. Not affordable, accessible, small, little, out-of-the-way place. El Jardin, um, which at the time was also sort of uh, expensive. Anyway, mm-hmm. so, you know, the the criticism of Michelin as being out of touch uh, sort of held true in that case. Yeah, it makes sense. And until now, what were some of the reasons why San Diego has been kind of ignored as a food destination? Because... 
it seems like sometimes we kind of fall in the shadow of people not understanding California or Southern California. So what's kind of going on with like the past, I guess? Right. I think there are two reasons. I think one, and this is going to be a very unpopular thing to say, I don't think the overall quality of the dining scene in San Diego has been very sophisticated. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, we love our fish tacos and we've got all sorts of great um, sort of you know, produce-driven places, but for the most part, we have not really been on the level of second-tier cities like mm-hmm. Portland, for example. Um, you know, obviously nowhere near San Francisco, New York, Chicago, mm-hmm. New Orleans. Um, the other, though, the other reason why I think people are finally paying attention to us. So the quality has gone up, so yeah. we have deserved more recognition. Mm-hmm. The other reason is that I think California in general is considered to be the leader in where food is going mm-hmm. in America. And we are riding that wave of recognition um, because we're we're part of that wave. Um, but California in general is finally being recognized for simplicity and purity and creativity. And it doesn't have to be in a super fancy French restaurant in, you know, on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Mm, Yeah, and you see that even with kind of like the jokes and the trends, like, you know, avocado toast and cronuts and things like that tend to start here and then the joke goes all across the world. Correct. (laughs) We we can always start a trend and a joke. Mm -hmm. And one thing you kind of hinted at is that the way that dining works in San Diego is kind of like a tug of war between the old ways of doing gourmet food and the rise of fast casual How does that kind of change how you reveal these restaurants as the way that it's kind of done has evolved recently? Right. Well, that's been a little tricky because, you know, I love a great fancy restaurant. Like I would be up for dinner at Addison every night for the rest of my life if I had the wardrobe and the American Express card to support it. But Mm -hmm. I don't. Um, I love fast casual. I mentioned Lola 55. You know, you walk in, you walk up to the counter, you order your food, you get your number and they deliver it. Mm -hmm. That's great. It's a taco joint. Um, But then the push and pull of a restaurant like Chicha Osteria in Barrio Logan, that doesn't work for me because it's an Italian restaurant and the Italian food is Fabulous. Mm -hmm. Francesca Penoncelli, the chef, is one of the most talented chefs in San Diego. But it's a fast casual place and they're cutting down on paying employees and Mm -hmm. they're trying to save money. And every restaurant owner talks about, you know, really slim profit margins. It doesn't work for Italian food. You know, we got our food. We were a party of four. We got our food at all different times. Uh, We had to get up again when we wanted to order another side dish. We Mm -hmm. had to get up again when we wanted another glass of wine. We had to get up again when we wanted dessert. That is not how I eat Italian food. Mm -hmm. Maybe other people are just fine with that. So I think that the move toward fast casual is a good one if you are comfortable with that business model and your expectations for hospitality are not very high. But if I have superior quality food... I really want superior quality service, too. I want to be comforted. I want to be 
taken care of. That's why I'm going out to dinner. You yeah. know, if I want to keep getting up and down, I'll just make something at home. Yeah, and I guess maybe that kind of fast, casual attitude has kind of caused San Diego to not be noticed until recently because that seems to be kind of part of our culture in a way of like we're not buttoned up we're kind of relaxed in a sense yes absolutely but you know we've always had really nice restaurants and Mm -hmm. there are places that have been going strong for a long time you know part of the issue is I don't know if service is up to par and a lot of people who eat at fine restaurants all over the world are used to a certain level of service. And Mm -hmm. our service is still very lackadaisical and it can be sloppy and too casual. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I think, you know, wine programs are not necessarily sophisticated. Oftentimes you're drinking wine that you feel like a distributor has paid to get put on a wine list. Mm -hmm. And that's a very important factor for me. Like a restaurant with great food that doesn't have a great wine list is sort of a, eh, maybe next time. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And perhaps one of the biggest changes in the dining guide is your list of best Italian restaurants. <gasps> what was the change from last year? Uh, okay, so I caused a little bit of a stir last year when I put out my list of 10, top of 10 Italian restaurants in San Diego, and I could only come up with seven. And... Um, People sent in, you know, dozens and dozens of suggestions of where I should go. And then I retried other places that I had been to in the past. And, you know, I was fine with my list of seven. And then three places open this year that have just been like magical for me. Mm -hmm. The first is Il Dandi, which is in Bankers Hill. And it has a restaurant within a restaurant called Arama. And that is a collaboration between the the Gallo brothers from Civico 1845 in Little Italy and this father and son team from Calabria. And they have a a restaurant in Calabria that has a Michelin star. Mm -hmm. And so Il Dandi you know, it was a very pretty restaurant, but what it did was it broke through the wall of what people should consider Italian food. Mm-hmm. It is very creative and experimental and uses ingredients that we're not familiar with. And it totally works. And um, the Arama, the, it's a single table. And it is a very expensive experience. But if you can afford it or you totally want to splurge on one meal, I would suggest going there. Mm -hmm. Um, The other one is Cesarina. And it's these three friends, a Roman and two Neapolitans and their counterparts there. And it is just a very fun, pasta-driven restaurant in Point Loma. And then the last one is Siamo Napoli, and it's run by a guy who has worked at Civico 1845, but also Buon Appetito and other restaurants. He's been a fixture on India Street in Little Italy for years. You cannot go, well, before you couldn't go on uh, India Street without seeing Flavio. Mm -hmm. And uh, he opened this place in North Park, and it is um, just comfortable, and uh, it is brings out the best in what I understand to be sort of Italian-American food. Even mm-hmm. though he's not Italian-American, he's from Naples. But there's a lot of um, touches. So the 
the uh, the zeppole for dessert, for example, are exactly like how we used to get them at the street fairs in a brown paper bag mm-hmm. with the grease coming through. His are not greasy. Um, his tomato sauce is really pure. His pizza tastes like New York pizza. Um, anyway, all three of these places um, happily warranted a spot on the list. And now we actually have a top 10 list with 10 restaurants on it. Mm-hmm. And when you look at kind of the year in San Diego, and I guess you could expand this to the decade if you'd like, what kind of general comments or even like a report card would you give to say, here's what San Diego does well, and here's what they need to improve on to get to the next level? Okay. What San Diego does well is really tapping into the bounty of the produce and the local seafood and the sort of chef community that comes together at all these events in San Diego, and they are very giving of their um, techniques and their skills toward each other. There's there's a lot of learning going on, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of these chefs spend a lot of time figuring out how they can get the best product to mm-hmm. put into their cooking. Um, I think that people are getting very creative and sort of thinking outside the box in a way that even five years ago they weren't. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they're finally raising the level of expectation that the diner will accept and should accept Mm -hmm. um, creativity. I think before there was a tendency to think, oh, San Diegans aren't ready for this, so we're not going to push them. Mm -hmm. They're pushing us now. And and I love being pushed in all sorts of directions. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't always work, but it it works a lot. you know, improvement, again, service. Mm-hmm. I think it has gotten better. Um, I think that a lot of places are sort of taking a single concept and once it's successful, sort of replicating it all over the county mm-hmm. instead of trying to find uh, another successful, unique place. You know, I don't want us to become just like um, – a county of local chains offering the same thing yeah. over and over so people again. People joke about the ampersand restaurants and things oh, like that. Oh, well, there's that, the formulaic <laughs> stuff. You know, that's sort of going away. And mm. I think like a restaurant like Anime, which broke every rule in the book. Um, you know, I was there last week for my sister's birthday. It was packed. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if people are accepting of places that are taking risks – Others will take risks. Now, this year, there was a a big example of a restaurant that took a huge risk and it flamed out and Mm -hmm. it was El Jardin. Um, And Chef Claudette Zepeda um, was doing things with Mexican food that no one else has been doing in San Diego. She was doing indigenous, regional Mexican cooking, bringing Mm -hmm. all these ingredients up from Mexico, grown by women producers. And she had a very sort of women-forward restaurant, half of her staff, female, she herself, very strong woman. Mm -hmm. And she was trying to do sort of fine dining Mexican in San Diego, and that did not work. Mm -hmm. 
people were just not um, going and spending yeah. the money. We we have a tendency to be a little cheap about certain cuisines. We mm-hmm. don't want to spend a lot of money on Mexican food. You know, I think the restaurant itself had some problems. One of them was really bad service, and mm-hmm. I wrote about that. Yeah. Um, it was very sloppy, and I know people who said the food was great. I am never going back there again. So it was losing a lot of money, and the owner, before it was even a year old, even though it had gotten recognition. She was mm-hmm. the only James Beard Award nominated chef from San Diego this year. She got a rave in the New York Times. She was our chef of the year last year. Not that that means anything, mm-hmm. but it does to us. Um, and they pulled the plug. Yeah. 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 It seems like those kind of gambles, you know, it might work out. Chances right. are it won't. Right. And, you know, I, I wasn't paying the bills, so yeah. I, I can't judge, but it still felt like a punch in the gut that someone was trying to really um, elevate a cuisine that I think needs to be elevated in San Diego. If you have traveled through Mexico and have gone to great Mexican restaurants and not just the Enrique Olveras restaurants in, in Mexico City, uh, that too, though. But if you really go and you taste authentic regional cuisine and how it can soar above what we get here on a regular basis, you would want that too. Um, but that is something that San Diego isn't ready for yet. Mm-hmm. And looking ahead to 2020, what do you kind of see on the horizon when it comes to dining in San Diego? What do you think is going to be the next big thing? Ooh, the next big thing. Well, I do think um, one restaurant that's going to be opening up Cali in the East Village in the old Bottega Americano spot, it's um, helmed by a guy named Travis Swickard, who used to work with Daniel Boulou in um, in New York City. He's a San Diego native, and he trained here. He used to work with Claudette Zapeta. Mm-hmm. Um, he is going to, I think breakthrough on another level in just um, sort of creative global fare. He's doing a Mediterranean restaurant and the Mediterranean is huge. And Mm -hmm. so there are going to be flavor profiles and dishes that we recognize from France, from Italy, from Spain. But he's also doing North Africa Mm -hmm. and Greece. And I think he is going to sort of elevate the scene more and he's gonna be sort of a beacon to other chefs around the country who have been working in very high profile restaurants but want to settle in a city like San Diego Mm -hmm. where you can be a bigger fish in this smaller culinary pond and I hope other people follow suit once they see how successful he is. And I have no doubt that he's going to be really successful. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like the risks that these people are willing to take kind of cause this spiraling effect in which people are willing to do new things and challenge kind of preconceptions. Right, exactly. And anything that gets us out of our very tired existence Mm -hmm. when it comes to eating. You know, I can't tell you how many people tell me, oh my God, I want to try all those restaurants that you write about. But I just wind up going to the same place in my neighborhood every Mm -hmm. single time we go out, which is great. 
you should support your local restaurants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But until we start experimenting with new cuisines and new neighborhoods, you know, ooh, I go to Oceanside in Carlsbad to eat and people are like, oh, my God, yeah. I'm not going there. Same thing with people who live in North County. Oh, mm-hmm. my God, North Park is so far. Mm-hmm. You know, come on. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's a good uh, resolution of, you know, yes. challenge yourself to try Get all Get out of your things. neighborhood, right? It's not L.A. You're not going to be sitting in traffic for two and a half hours for a bowl of pasta. Mm-hmm. I think we would be remiss without mentioning the big scandal sure. this year of Gina Champion-Kane, who was um, accused by the uh, SEC in a scheme that involved uh, $300 million swindled from investors. Um, And she was known as a real estate, a person in real estate, but also a a restaurateur. And Mm -hmm. she owned a whole string of restaurants, the patio restaurants in particular, Patio in Lamont, Patio in Goldfinch, um, Fireside Patio. And uh, her whole empire has gone up in flames because of this scandal. And it has just sort of rocked that world of Mm -hmm. restaurateurs who, in their midst, they had no idea, they say, something like this was going on. No, Mm -hmm. they, I mean, Mm -hmm. no one else has been implicated in this, but it's just. Um, it's the kind of headline that we don't see yeah. in the dining world, mm-hmm. and everyone's still sort of shocked by it. Yeah, and does that have any kind of lingering ramifications, or is this just kind of a flash in the pan? You know, the legal process will go on. Like, there's not like a you know a fear of investing in restaurants at this point, right? No, um, investors were involved in um, high interest loans. Mm-hmm that went toward um, awarding liquor licenses. And that whole thing was a house of cards. Mm -hmm. And it didn't have anything to do with investing in actual restaurants. Um, And as far as we know, and through the really good work of our colleague, Lori Weisberg, Mm -hmm. no one in the restaurant industry was involved in this because anyone in the restaurant industry would know that's not how you get liquor licenses, et cetera. But there has been sort of this cascading effect with places closing and institutions like Saska's, you know, their future being up in the air. Um, It's really had like a ripple effect that way. Mm -hmm. And it also seems like there's, you know, always constant murmurings about a possible recession. So I guess perhaps that's the greatest threat to fine dining in the, you know, next decade, I suppose. Well, that's the greatest threat to anything in the, <laughs> yeah. in the next decade. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, fine dining will always suffer when the economy isn't um, great. Um, but, uh, you know, let's uh, fingers crossed. All right. Michelle Plurante, thank you so much. Thank you. In other news, San Diego's minimum wage is going up $1. On January 1st, it'll reach $13. San Diego's minimum wage is still lower than many other California jurisdictions. By July, Los Angeles, Santa Monica, Malibu, and Pasadena will raise their minimum wage to $14.25 an hour for small employers and $15 for large employers. Consumers may see price hikes for some lower-priced foods, however, as small businesses may struggle to cover labor costs. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m., 
on weekday mornings. You can also hear a quick rundown of local weather and headlines. Just tell your smart speaker to launch the San Diego Union Tribune. You can also get the Flash Briefing as a podcast. For our full listing of our audio offerings, go to uniontrib.com slash podcasts. Until next time.